Hi, I'm Aubrey Charette. Thanks so much for joining us today on the podcast for Harrisonburg Nazarene Church. Please subscribe for updates and new episodes to this podcast. Also, you can now search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. Join us each Sunday at 9 and 10.30 a.m. on Facebook Live. Be sure to like or follow our page while you're there. We're thrilled this morning that you joined in. Uh, this morning, I don't know about you, I'm, I'm feeling a little tired today. And so I, you can raise your hand right there. Yeah, if you feel that way too, if you feel tired. I know some of you are the most well-rested you've ever been. You know, you, you, you work in your PJs now and... You can maybe, you have to get up at a certain time, maybe you wake up when you wake up, I don't know. But some of us, I think we're more tired in this season, and I'm just feeling that way today. And if that's you, if you feel tired, uh, this series is actually perfect for you. Because this series is really about people who feel worn out and beat up by their past. To the extent, maybe it's not so much a physical exhaustion, but something much deeper in your soul, in your spirit, because of your past. Because of the shame of your past, as we've talked about throughout this series, Free From Yesterday. Maybe the rejection that you've experienced from others. Maybe, as we talked about last week, the pain, the wounds from your past. The ones that you have caused or the ones people have ways that they've hurt you. Maybe today you just say, I'm tired. I'm weary. Well, I think this message is for you Because in the midst of that, today we're going to really conclude this series with good news. Good news. Yeah, if you're tired, if you feel a little beat up by your past, we're going to close out this series today, Free From Yesterday, with really good news about the idea of hope. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 6 today. And Hebrews chapter 6 is really important for tired people because it's a letter, it's a word written to Jewish Christians who were being persecuted who felt pretty beat up. They had some brokenness and some wounds in their past. And so these words that I'm going to read to you are not just kind of lifeless words on a page. They were real words written to a real group of people who needed encouragement, who needed hope, who needed something in the midst of all the heaviness of their past. And so as we read these words, know that they're true for us now, but man, they were true uh, as they were written to this community of faith. So we're going to be at Hebrews 6. Uh, 18 through 20, and we're going to do something I like to do pretty often is kind of break the scripture up and look at some different parts of it because especially uh, chapter 6 of verse 18 is a little complicated, but I want us to kind of lay the foundation of hope that we find here in Hebrews chapter 6. And so some of you are opening up your, I hope, man, get your Bible out right there, wherever you're sitting. You got your version Bible app. We've got an event set up there, but let's turn together and open God's word, Hebrews 6 starting with verse 18. And and Hebrews 6, 18 starts with these three words. God did this. God did this. Now, you know me well enough to know, church family, that whenever we have something like that, we've got to ask, well, what did God do? And if we had a lot more time today and you were willing to just log on for hours and hours, we could go all through Hebrews and especially Hebrews chapter 6 and understand what this is. But I'm going to try to summarize for the sake of time what this is. God did this. What is this? Well, in Hebrews 6, it talks about God's promise. Not just any promise, not just a promise in general, but to one man named Abraham. 
And Abraham's really important, not just because he's a Bible story character in the Old Testament, but he's really important because God made a promise to him. You see, Abraham was old. Today, you may feel tired and you may feel old, but you were not as old as Abraham was. This dude was old. And he was so old, but God made a promise and said, Abraham, you're going to have a son. In fact, you're going to be the father of many nations. And, and at the time, that was laughable. Literally, when Abraham tells his wife, Sarah, she laughs. Like, you're going to be, we're going to be parents. You're right. But God kept his promise. Not just a promise, but in Hebrews 6, it reminds us that God took an oath. Now, that's a really weird thing. And oaths might not mean much to you or me. But in this context, in this culture, man, oaths meant a lot. And, and God made an oath. And why in the world would God make an oath? Because it was like doubling down on his promise. I'm not just making a promise to you, Abraham. I'm making an oath. And so when it says God did this, you know what it's saying God did? He kept his promise. And the reason that's important is not just because it's one example of God keeping a promise to one man, but because that one man, he, he would have a son. And that son would have a son. Often when you read the scripture, you hear about uh, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and on through the line it would go. And out of the lineage of that one man whose promise was kept, yo, you're old, but you're going to have a son. Out of the lineage of that one man came Jesus. So that was a big promise, a promise that would ultimately lead to God's son. And so Hebrews 6, verse 18, just starts with reminding us that God did this. God keeps his promise. Let's keep reading here what it says. It says, God did this so that by two unchangeable things, follow me here, by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. Again, what are the two unchangeable things? His, his promise and his oath. That God doubled down, right? Uh, that he said, man, I'm, I'm promising and I'm double promising. And in that we know that God can't lie. That he is a promise keeper, right? And so Hebrews 6, 18, again, it's just setting the stage for what we're going to read here in a minute. That God did this. He kept his promise so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. Then we read these words. We who have fled Pause for a minute, because that's a really important word, right? It's not we who have walked, we who have meandered, we who have found our way. This is the word fled, and that word to me encompasses desperation. That, that word, I can kind of resonate with that word right now. In the day and the time in which we're living, there's a lot of people right now that, that are, are full of anxiety. They're full of fear. There's a lot of us over these past couple weeks as we've talked about our past that, man, there, there's, there's hurt and there's wounds and there's burdens building up inside of us. And so this word flee, I mean, it, it's running in desperation. And this is the word the author in Hebrews chapter 6 uses. But look how he uses it. He says this, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us. You see, we're not, we're not fleeing towards temporary things. We're not fleeing to grab hold of the material things around us to try to insulate us and make us feel better. We're not fleeing towards things to try to self-medicate, right? In a time, can we talk about that right now? In a time of anxiety, in a time of fear, we're not fleeing to the things to just give us a, a quick fix. No, no, no. We are fleeing towards hope. I love that visual, don't you? I love that, that we're desperately running toward hope with full blast, whatever that looks like. We are fleeing towards the hope set before us. Finally, these words, 
so that we may be greatly encouraged. Again, listen to the whole thing. This is a really complicated sentence structure, like thanks a lot, Hebrews chapter 6, 18. But, but listen again, this is what it says. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of hopes set before us may be encouraged. This is good news. This is good news, what we're about to read. Hope, this is good news. And then we get, we said all that to get us to verse 19. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. I don't know what word, what idea comes to your mind when you hear the word hope. Some of you, that may seem kind of like an idealistic thing. Hope may just kind of seem like, you know, you're just wishing, hoping, praying, like, like it's not realistic at all. I don't know what comes to your mind when you think of hope, but, but Hebrews chapter 6 wants us to know, yeah, yeah, because God keeps his promise, we're, we're fleeing towards the hope set before us, and this hope is an anchor. That the, the brokenness of your past, the sin of your past, the pain of your past, Oh, man, it had you drifting out, didn't it? I mean, you were, you were a lost cause. You were thrown here and there and the waves of emotion and, and whatever the circumstances of that day, it, it, you would kind of be dictated by, by everything else happening around you. That would kind of dictate your mood and dictate how you, but, but no, no more because of hope, because hope is an anchor. Even in, see, see, that's beautiful, though, because an anchor, you drop anchor right in the midst of a storm. That means that hope isn't the absence of a storm. Hope isn't the absence of hard circumstances and difficult things. No, no. In the midst of storms, hope is an anchor. It, it, it anchors our soul. It's firm. It's secure. This is the visual that we're to have when we think of this idea of hope. Yeah, even in the midst of our past, even in the midst of hard things. In spite of brokenness, in spite of the things that we feel like it's it just followed, the weight that we carry around with us, hope is an anchor, firm and secure. And then this beautiful visual that it ends with, this hope, firm and secure, it enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. We'll talk about that in a minute. Behind the curtain, where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. He became a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Now, if you're, I know we've got some mamas right now that are expecting, and I'm praying for you. This is a weird season to be pregnant, quite honestly, right? But if you're looking for a baby name, you know, you're having a boy, Melchizedek. I mean, it's right there. It could be good, you know? It's pretty long. He could go by Mel or something for short, but I'm just saying it's good. But that's not why this name is in here, and that's not why I'm preaching on Hebrews chapter 6. You see, uh, it ends with this idea of Melchizedek because that, that ties us to the Old Testament. It ties us to the Old Covenant. And why is that important? Because in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, uh, worship was at the temple. Because that's where the presence of God was. And specifically, the presence of God existed kind of in the inner sanctuary, the, the inner part of the temple. Where, and there was literally a curtain that separated the presence of God from the people. And so you, you would come and you would offer your sacrifice and participate in worship, but you were separate from the presence of God. And there was only one person, the high priest, only one person who could dare enter into the presence of 
the living God. And, and it's important to tie this to the Old Covenant because these Jews would have very much understood that old way of doing things. But Hebrews chapter 6 says, no, 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 we have hope. We have hope that's an anchor because you see now, now the curtain has been torn. You see it enters into the sanctuary. Behind, we have access now. See, see, the old way of doing things is that the high priest, you know, he would go in and kind of represent the people. But now we have a high priest and his name is Jesus. And because of what Jesus did by going to the cross, by paying for our sin, by dying on the cross for us, now he is our high priest. And now this really beautiful thing happens where, where he enters into the sanctuary. He now gives us, because of Jesus, we have access to the Spirit. The Spirit of God is not off somewhere. In some, he can be with us. Right there in your living room, in your comfy house pants, whatever you're sitting in, right? The presence of the living God can be right there because of Jesus. And that's why we have hope. It's not some emotional high. It's not some, oh, I love that song and it gives me the warm fuzzies inside. It is not the absence of hard things going on in your life. Hope is because of Jesus and he made a way for the presence of the living God to show up in us, to dwell in us, to walk with us wherever we go. And that's why we have hope. And that's why it is an anchor, because everywhere I go, it doesn't matter the circumstance I enter into. It doesn't matter what tomorrow holds. The presence of the living God is with me. And because of that, whew, I got hope. This is good news. This is good news. Today, as we prepare to conclude this series, we've been talking since Easter Sunday about our past. And for some of us, that's, that's quite challenging. We don't like to talk about the past. We don't like to think about the ways that we've been hurt, the ways that we've hurt others. So maybe today, as you read Hebrews 6, you want to believe in hope, but you wonder what in the world does hope have to do with my past? What connection is there, if any, between hope and my past? We're going to conclude the message today in Romans chapter 5. We've spent a lot of time throughout this series hearing from a guy, Paul, who used to be an enemy of God. He used to be public enemy number one. He used to be the one persecuting Christians. He, he used to be the one who, who literally, his job and his mission was to destroy the church, but God uses him in spite of his past. In spite of, of all the ways that he fell short, God uses him to be the one to bring good news, to be a missionary and to bring good news. And so constantly throughout the New Testament, we're reading the words of this guy, the former enemy of God who became, yeah, the evangelist, the missionary, Paul. And so Romans chapter 5 is where we're going to conclude today. And these are good words for us. These are good words today if you have a past, if you've been hurt, if you've been broken, if you felt ashamed, if you felt rejected. If you've been hurt or hurt someone else, these are good news uh, words for you today. And so we're going to begin just in Romans chapter 5, verse 2. Paul understood about wounds. He understood about hurt. Often as we read his words, he's writing chained up in a prison cell. He, he would give his life for the sake of the gospel. So this is not a guy that's had an easy life. He understands the burden, the pain of the past. But in the midst of that, in Romans 5... Verse 2, he says this, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. There's that word hope again. 
But look at what Paul says here. He says that our hope is in the glory of God. You know what that really means? That means we put our hope in the fact that God can get glory from anything. Think about that for a minute. I have witnessed in this season, in this season where tens of thousands of lives in our country have been lost, in this season where we're experiencing uh, just loss, financial loss, grief, hardship, brokenness. Some of you watching today have experienced things over these last six weeks I don't even understand. And thinking even beyond that into your past and the brokenness and the the hard things that you've experienced, things that would break my heart. But even now, I can say to you, I have seen God get glory in the most broken circumstance, in the most defeated life, in the life of one person that would say, nothing good can come of this. I have seen even then God get glory. And Paul is saying, that's what we have hope in. Even chained in prison, we have hope that God can get glory even now. But he goes on to explain it more and to say this, and this is where it ties to our past. Not only so, but we glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Don't check out here. This is really good. This is really important. Suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, you know what hope really is for us? Yeah, yeah, it's an anchor. We we talked about that, but you know what hope really is? Uh, As we read these words, hope is really about making a decision. It's a decision about what has been and what will be. But it's, it's not a decision fueled by emotion. Man, I, how many times in my life have I regretted decisions that were just a fueled by emotion? In the moment, I just felt I did it, right? right? I, I've been there. I've done that. That's not what hope is. It's not a decision fueled by emotion. It's not, hope is not making a decision that's fueled by circumstances. Really, it's a God-fueled decision. A decision, as we read here in Romans 5, about what has been and what will be. You see, this is, maybe this is just me. Sometimes, sometimes when I look at my past and I look at the brokenness that I've experienced, it seems like the opposite of hope. It seems like if I was thinking of hope and I'm looking at my past, I'm thinking, well, that's the last place that I'm disqualified from hope, right? Because look at that. Look at exhibit A and look at exhibit B. I did that. I did that. I'm ashamed of that. I'm rejected there. I was, and I could show you all of these things. I'll line them all up in front of you and say, that, that's why I can't have hope. Everyone else can, but I don't qualify. It almost, I was thinking about... These are like fancy to me. Maybe you have one in your home right now. I don't know. But you light a candle and you want to put out your candle and, you know, we always blew ours out. Or maybe you got fancy and did that, right? But you know these like fancy things that you, it's like a snuffer, I I think. I Googled it and it came up. So I think that's what it's called. You you put it down on the candle and it it just feels like wealthy people would do that. But maybe it's just like, right? You put it out. It's kind of like, this is what we view our past as, that it's it's kind of a hope snuffer, right? Like, oh, I love... I love what Hebrews chapter 6 says about hope. 
Man, I desire hope that can be an anchor for my soul. But, but Adrian, look at all the hope snuffers in my past. Look at all the things in my past. There's no way that I can have hope like that today. Look at what's going on around me. Are you kidding me? There's no way that hope is possible for me. But the beauty is of what Paul says here. He gives us a really uh, vivid image of what happens here. Because he says, we actually know that suffering does something in us. Man, it does not feel fun at the time, does it? In the midst of suffering, I'm not saying, ooh, there's something happening inside. And I'm going, no, it's miserable and hard and painful. And when I think about those past moments, I don't want to go back there. But the truth is, Paul is saying, in our suffering, something is happening. Something is being produced. It's producing in you through the power of God. By him setting you free from yesterday, as you give him power to do that, your suffering begins to do something. It doesn't disqualify you from hope. No, no, no. It begins to produce in you perseverance. And perseverance with the help of the Holy Spirit, with the help of of asking him daily to let go of the past, then that suffering develops perseverance. And then that perseverance, you know what happens? It builds character. And ultimately, you know what happens out of character? Hope springs forth. Hope springs forth. You see, being free from yesterday is hope. <laughs> that, that's what this whole series is about. That's what we've been building week after week of good, spiritual, God-centered truth to get you to this moment to understand that being free from yesterday, what God wants to set you free from from your past is Hope, because what we do in that moment is we give him permission in our suffering to produce something in us. We acknowledge that in our brokenness, God can still be at work. And in that suffering, perseverance comes. And in that perseverance, character is being formed. And out of that character, hope grows. You see, I used to think, I used to have all of these people in my life that I just looked at as spiritual giants. You know who I'm talking about. For many of you, it might be a grandparent, a parent, uh, somebody that you grew up with, somebody, maybe it's a peer, but someone that you look at and you just look at their faith, you look at their life and you say, wow, I wish I could live like that. I wish I could have that kind of faith. I wish I could believe, and and I'm going to be honest, there's people in my mind I'm thinking of right now, and for years and years and years, I looked at them and said, man, I wish I could be like that. But you know what I noticed the more I looked at their life? It began to puzzle me. Because as I looked at their life, I didn't look at a past that was squeaky clean. I didn't look at a past that was filled just with joy and easy things. In fact, every single one of them, I wrote down their names this week in my journal. I began to look at their life, and you know what I saw as I looked at their past? Loss. Loss of a child. Loss of a spouse. Deep financial loss. Uh, I, I looked at one, infertility, the inability to have biological children of their own. That was gut wrenching and devastating. Abuse. Again, I'm looking down the list, just looking at uh, some of them, uh, extreme physical challenges, pain, daily pain because of the physical things happening in their life that they faced on a daily basis. 
I mean, these are, and so I'm looking at this list thinking, wait, wait a second. These are the people, these are the spiritual giants of my life. And yet when I look at their past, I see a lot of brokenness. I see a lot of pain. I see a lot of disappointment. And you see, the lie that I've often believed is that my past disqualifies me from hope. My past disqualifies me from being the person that God wants me to be, that, that, that I'm kind of on the JV team, and I look at these other kind of spiritual leaders and giants around me, and I think, well, they've got it, and I don't. But, but God showed me something this week. As I listened to him, and as I, I, I listened to his word, and as I, I reflected a little bit about the people in, in my life, you know what's true about these people in my life that I would see as spiritual giants, mentors, leaders in my life? The reality is every single one of them experienced deep suffering. But in the midst of it, they chose. They chose to say, God, I'm not going to be a prisoner of my past anymore. I'm not going to let the chains of suffering, the chains of shame and of rejection and of my wounds, I'm not going to let them bind me anymore. And you know what happened in the midst of their life? In the midst of that suffering, perseverance showed up. Not day one, no, not day one when they were broken on the floor, unable to move because of grief. Not then, but, but slowly and surely the power of God began to work in their suffering and gave them perseverance. And you know what happened? As they persevered, character was formed. Godly character. And you know what sprung forth? Godly character as they began to trust God and let him set them free from yesterday. Hope was born. Hope was born. So I'm learning. I'm learning that often the people that God uses the most are sometimes the ones that have been most broken, most hurt, most defeated, most rejected, but somehow in the midst of it, when we allow the presence of the living God, the spirit of the living God, right, right? The curtain has been torn. Jesus is the high priest. And because of him, we have access to the spirit. And so that we have hope. And I'm learning, I'm learning that even in our suffering and even in our perseverance and even in that character, yeah, hope is formed. I don't know about you, we've been out in our yard a little bit lately and just pulling weeds. What else are we going to do? I don't know, but we're out there doing our thing and it's this crazy thing. We've got this one particular plant that we've planted over here. And now it's like all over the place. Like, I don't know what happened. I don't know if it got up in the middle of the night and decided to, I don't know if the wind just blew it or whatever, but it's like we planted it here and it grew here, but it grew over here. And it's just this crazy thing. And it just has me thinking a little bit about hope because sometimes I think what we believe, we look at the soil of our past, of our brokenness, of our hurt, and we think there's no way that hope could grow there. There's no way in my life, there's no way anything good could be produced here. But you see what God wants to do is even when you don't feel like it could be planted there, even when you don't see how there's any way it could grow up here, God wants to take the soil of suffering. And if you will let him, he wants to set you free from yesterday and, and being free from yesterday is hope. And he wants to grow within you, even in that soil of suffering, even in that soil that you thought there's nothing good that can grow here. If you let him, God will bring hope. That's good news, isn't it? Isn't it good news that today you are loved and today there is hope 
for you. Yeah, you may say, well, I'm pretty broken in. Remember my list of people? They were too. And today, God can bring hope. Right now, watching in their living rooms today, there's widows. There's widows that the world would say, man, you are too broken. You are too lost. There's no way. But right now, you know what they're experiencing? Hope. It's not fake, it's not manufactured, it's real. There's people right now watching, uh, right there in their living room, they've experienced financial loss that is devastating. They've experienced pain and disappointment and cancer and, and in the midst of all of that, today they have hope, the anchor for their soul because in the soil of suffering, God began to produce something beautiful today. He wants to do the same for you. Man, we're gonna close the service with hope. I hope that's okay. You might be annoyed right now. If you're rolling your eyes, hope, uh, get over it because you're just gonna, you're gonna have to embrace it because today we're people of hope and we gotta celebrate that. We gotta celebrate that. And we're gonna close today with a song. And it's a song you may not know, but I promise if you let it, you'll start toe tapping and dancing and doing your thing because this is a song that talks about the freedom, the hope that we have in Christ. The band is coming right now and they're gonna get in place and they're gonna help us end this time of seeking the Lord, of seeking him for hope by rejoicing, by standing on the soil of suffering and dancing, right? And saying, ah, even now I have hope. And so the beauty of this song, the first time I heard it, I was at a camp with 200 rambunctious, hyper-caffeinated teenagers. And this song became an anthem for us as we served, as we worshiped, as God began to set us free. And on the last day of that camp, we sang this song for the millionth time that week. And the band began to play and the students just rushed the stage. No one gave them permission, they just did. And the last five minutes of camp was literally the band playing this song and 150 teenagers dancing all over the stage. So there's not 150 people in your home right now. But I pray, I pray through the power of the Holy Spirit, despite the soil of suffering that you feel like you're sitting in today, I pray that some dancing raises comes to life in your heart. I pray you can't sit still. And I pray that through the power of his spirit today, hope will arise. Jesus, you are good and you are worthy and you have set us free from yesterday, God. We are no longer a slave to the past. We are no longer broken by rejection and shame and despair, God. We have victory today because of your power at work in us. The veil has been torn. The curtain has been torn. You are the high priest today. And because of that, we have access to your spirit. We have hope that is the anchor for our soul. We have hope that rises out of the ashes, out of the soil of suffering. And so today we proclaim that victory is ours in Christ Jesus. And the church said, amen. Amen. Let's end this thing right, church. Let's go. Thank you again so much for listening today. Email us at info at for any questions about our church. As soon as you're finished listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.